Isn't good, pal? Buongiorno. Come stai? Oh, yeah, Sumi. Well, that was in Italian. You kind of switched. I did switch it. Kind of switched on me there, but okay. Uh, wait, hold on. I know some Japanese. I've been I've been studying mm-hmm. it on the on a popular language app that doesn't sponsor us, so I refuse to name. Um, Ohio. Gozaimas. I feel like like just overall, we we really have like the vibe of like it feels like it's four o'clock in the morning here in the studio, mm-hmm. but it's not at all. No. It's just very quiet, and like mm-hmm. we both have horrible allergies or whatever that is, so we, we both sound kind of like we just been through just, just pure through it. nasal. So I apologize in advance for. I'll t- I, I will tell you one thing: it is very difficult to mix your vocals when you're sick because you're already rich. Mm-hmm. I got a real good low end. Yeah, is uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> is like dropped another couple octaves, so <laughs> it's a uh, it's. It's a uh, it's a real real problem to be solved. Hard to hard to catch those frequencies, mm-hmm. huh? Uh, Peninsula, I did. Ooh, it. you did it, and I did it with confidence. You did do it with confidence. You see, folks, when given the choice in life, it's best to pursue things with confidence, just like I did. Mm-hmm. See if I can do it again, Peninsula. There's a little bit of chilla in there, but we'll I let didn't it say chilla. We'll peninsula. let it pass. Okay, Peninsula. Howdy, friends, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. We're a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your hosts, Woody Brown and Tyler Benz. What's up, dude? Hey, pal. First, I got to say, welcome to... Our regular listeners, and welcome to brand new listeners alike. Mm-hmm. And also, happy Easter. It is uh, for all of our listeners that celebrate Easter and Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Passover. Happy Easter to you. Yep, hope you guys had a wonderful time spending it, hopefully with friends, family, and loved ones. You know, it's a good time. Right. This is a good time of year. You know, I could do without all the pollen. I was about but to I do like the days that are kind of like my favorite kind of weather it's sort of like shorts mm-hmm. and a sweater. It's just the best. Because then you can ride. I can ride with my the top off of my Jeep. And I'm a little chilly, but I got the heat going on my legs. And then I just don't overheat elsewhere. You know, I have a real pet peeve. Here we go. And you don't see it much anymore. But, boy, in the 90s it was a big thing. But now I'm wondering, you just brought up a point. I'm wondering if this would be the season for it. And that is... When you would see women, women, Jesus. <laughs> when you would see women wearing turtleneck, sleeveless sweaters. Oh yeah, I forgot about those things, man. So stupid, so so stupid. But but very fashion forward. But maybe this is the season for it. Yeah, man. That way, you know, you keep your neck warm. Yeah, you let them arms breathe, man. <laughs> Protect your neck. Okay. Well, look, today we're not talking about fashion, and we're not talking about how much we hate our allergies, mm-hmm. but we are talking about something that, I mean, truly, and I know that we say this quite often, but this is something that we've wanted to talk about, I mean, since season one, really. Oh, I mean, yeah. we've, we've talked about it with each other. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it with... <clears throat> 
some of our uh, listeners and stuff via Instagram. So I think we should just kind of begin to uh, to dive in. Let's get into it, pal. And this is this is just so like '80s, man. Everything about this movie that we're going to talk about today is just so '80s. So like, think about it this way: you mix a daughter who can communicate with spirits mm-hmm. that are living inside of a TV set. Yeah. A backyard that becomes a swimming pool of muddy skeletons. Oh, yeah. A wolf beast demon that lives in a closet. And, of course, Steven Spielberg. If you put all that stuff, mash it together, and then shake it around real good, well, you've got one of the movies that terrified me as a youngster, and I probably shouldn't have watched it when I did. Yeah, for sure. So today, we're talking about the amazing movie that has terrified folks for over 30 years, mm-hmm. Poltergeist. First, I thought, man, I did sort of the uh, the research on this, and so if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of take the lead here. And one of the things that I wanted to do first, because there's just so much about this movie that's mm-hmm. interesting, we're going to kind of cover it all. There's a lot of trivia and interesting facts that I never knew about. Before we get to that, though, I wanted, like, my own personal experience with this movie was that just like every movie in the 80s, like, I can't even imagine my parents being like, oh, this looks like a great movie to watch this weekend. Yeah. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, somehow, I think, we all ended up circled around the TV. Yeah. And th- watching this thing. I feel like because now, it, that's something that, that, that's a great point. And I think, you know, if you're a longtime listener of the show, we bring up the term, like, you know, pre-internet or like, how things were, you know, back in the '80s or you know before the internet. But I think, I think that's something that we, we, our generation, often forget about is that, like, you know, because now every, we have a billion different options. So, mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where you know my daughters are going to be watching something different from what I'm watching to what my wife's watching to, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and there's millions of options within that sort of purview of like what what we're into at the moment. But back in the day, it's like, yes, there were a ton of movies being made and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, even if it was like a horror movie, it was like sort of a, like an event almost. And so like, yeah. your family would all watch it together. But like, my family wasn't into scary stuff, man. No, no, no. But, that's what I'm saying. Even but if also, here's another little aspect of it all. And I know you kind of joke on the show about like, uh, wealthy guy, Woody. Here's what's here's a here's a interesting Butler fact. Butler loved it. <laughs> Here is an interesting fact for uh, for you. My family literally had one TV mm. all mm. the way until like I was in college. Mm. One, the whole house, just yeah. one TV. I love that, man. Yeah, man. And so, like, anytime the decision to what we were going to watch was like a pretty like there was a lot of um, significance to. Right. That, right? And so, like, for all of us to figure out, like, ooh, let's watch this movie, you know? I mean, oftentimes my parents would just be like, I'm not, you know, especially when we were in high school, we don't want to watch, you know, MTV2's live coverage of, you know, the Isle of Wight Festival. Right. You know, but still, we just had the one TV. So, back then, by the time this made it to video, because this movie came out in 1982, and... 
it was a quick box office hit. By the time it came to video, you know, I was still really young. And I just remember like, heck man, we might have even seen it by the time it was like on TV, but I feel like it was a rental. And I just remember being like, I mean, intrigued, Mm -hmm. scared, yeah, fascinated, but not like scared enough to where like, as a family, we didn't watch Poltergeist 2. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, man, it's just, it was just such an interesting, interesting time. I don't remember Poltergeist 2 at all, though. Do you? Yeah, I don't remember it as well. The first one was really, really the, the big one for me. I feel like, like in part two, and maybe I'm confusing this with something else, but I feel like the only thing that I vaguely remember is like, like, someone feels like they're being like followed or something in like a like a car park like an under like underground like you know mm-hmm. basement car like, park ba- kind of thing. yeah 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 I, I don't remember man I don't you know, know i think like some of the parts that i thought were part 2 were actually part 1 you know what i yeah, mean yeah right right so i don't really remember but let's dive into some some interesting facts so this movie was actually directed by a guy named Toby Hooper and produced by you guessed it, the legendary Steven Spielberg. I always forget that. That's yeah. always surprising to me. Well, and I'm going to get to that part, too. It's really interesting. So it was released in 1982, and like I said, it was a box office hit. Mm-hmm. And it still kind of has stood the test of time. You know, I've watched it recently. You know, the effects in some ways are really cheesy, but in a lot of ways, man, the practical effects are just outstanding. And what's interesting is... Poltergeist actually almost didn't even get made. So originally, Steven Spielberg was supposed to direct the movie. But Mm. because of some legal stuff with Universal Pictures, he wasn't able to do so. So he decided to produce the movie instead and then brought in Toby Hooper to direct. And here's, here's something that I found. It says, whether Toby Hooper, weird... Toby Hooper was the real director of the film or a little more than a proxy for Steven Spielberg, who was contractually forbidden from directing at the time since he was in pre-production for E.T., is either one of the great Hollywood urban legends or barely hidden truths, depending on who you ask and what you read. So many sources, in particular Zelda Rubinstein, have openly stated that Hooper was actually little more than just a stand-in on set, and the film was, for all intents and purposes, directed by Spielberg. Mm. Um. So that's super interesting to me. You know, like, I never would have known that. Mm -hmm. Another kind of fun trivia, and I've always been fascinated by this. I've talked about this before, where, like, in Indonesia, when I saw the poster for Encino Man, it wasn't Encino Man. It was just California Man because anyone in Indonesia (laughs) doesn't know what Encino is. right? Right. So listen to some of these, I guess, movie titles for this movie across the, uh, the world. So in Brazil and Portugal, it was called Poltergeist. The phenomenon mm. in Canada, in Quebec, it was called Poltergeist: Revenge of the Ghosts. <laughs> in that, Hungary, that has to be like a French, yeah, Kierlinge. Yeah, um, in Hungary, it was Poltergeist. <laughs> Hold on, dude, that is hilarious. Poltergeist, knocking ghost. <laughs> Italy. I mean, Pol- I mean the knocking, knocking ghost. I mean that is, I think technically, Poltergeist is means like noisy ghost. Sure. So. And what's interesting too is I'm or noisy sure spirit, whatever. that prior to 82, the word poltergeist mm-hmm. wasn't even close to being as household as it is now, right? Oh, I no mean way. like, 
I mean, okay, so in Italy, it's poltergeist, demonic presences. I mean, that's pretty good. Pretty good. It's kind yeah. of, that's probably the scariest sounding. Yeah. In Peru, no, this is good. Poltergeist, evil games. I mean, that's pretty good too. In Spain, they didn't really try hard. They, it, you know, poltergeist, in parentheses, strange phenomena. It's <laughs> <laughs> very specific. Oh, man. Okay. It's letting you know what the movie's about, but also giving you a little Just unasked. A little definition, or, right? I mean, yeah. sometimes you got to do that. All right. Here's some more like really interesting facts that I had no idea about. First, did you know that Stephen King was initially asked to write the script? I think I did know that. Do you listen to this? He actually wrote an 11-page treatment, and boy, I wish I could get my hands on that. Yeah, I was going to say, the urban legend is that he, well, I don't know if it's, I mean, it sounds like it's more than urban legend, but yeah. I remember always hearing that there was like a, a, a treatment or whatever that mm-hmm. he had done that was even like twice as scary as. Oh, I bet, dude. So it's know. 11 pages. It was called Nighttime, which already somehow sounds yeah, scarier. That's- that's scary. And and then King and Spielberg had a good lunch together, but King's publisher basically allegedly asked for uh, asked for too much money and kind of you know screwed the deal a little bit. Mm. Now here's a brief synopsis before we get into any other kind of like interesting facts because you know just in case you haven't seen this movie and you just kind of want a little taste of what it's about. Well, it's about after these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. So the film itself and the story focuses on this family named the Freelings. They're just a middle-class family led by a youthful Craig T. Nelson, which, dude, I love Coach. <laughs> That's oh, all. Yeah. I always think of him as Coach. He's awesome whose life is basically upturned after a number of paranormal and vicious events occur in their California home. Eventually, their daughter, Carol Ann, Mm -hmm. is, and I'm not spoiling anything necessarily here, but she's abducted through her bedroom closet by a group of ghosts who are under the control of a monster demon called the Beast. I got to tell you real quick, I don't know that I, I, I guess I need to rewatch that because I don't know that I paid attention well enough this last time that I watched it, which wasn't that long ago, that I don't there was even a all. name for the be, uh, for the demon, right? Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember the whole closet aspect. I do I remember the really, closet. Yeah, really you need to go back go and back. watch this. And, and so here's another aspect of this where after learning that their house is on top of a Native American burial ground, the mm-hmm. family, the Freelings, spend their time attempting to retrieve Carol Ann, who by this time is now communicating to her parents through the television, which, by the way, terrifying. Mm-hmm. Are you with us now? Can, can you say hello to Daddy? Hello. 
And, you know, they end up, like, hiring this this uh, lady that comes, and she's, like, you know, very famous. Hold on to your sails. There's one more thing. A terrible presence is in there with her. So much rage. So much betrayal. I've never sensed anything like it. I don't know what hovers over this house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take your daughter away from you. It keeps Caroline very close to it and away from the spectral light. It lies to her. It says things only a child can understand. It has been using her to restrain the others. To her, it simply is another child. To us, it is the beast. You know, go turn the light, Carol Ann. Oh, she's right? the best. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, some of those, some of the lines from this movie are so famous. Now let's go get your daughter. She was actually in a decent amount of things from the 80s. Her, oh, yeah. I just mentioned her. Her name is Zel- Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah. And she was in all kinds of stuff. I mean, Poltergeist, all of the Poltergeist movies, I believe. And mm-hmm. looks like about 58 movies. But yeah, she was like a face like in the 80s that you would kind of see. It was always kind of, there was always kind of this like strange, yeah, like creepiness about her. But yeah. yet at the same time, something like endearing about her. I, I don't know. It was, it, yeah, she, she, um, I mean, oddly enough, she kind of reminded me, you know, of, for our longtime listeners, like my Aunt Linda, who sort of okay. introduced me to all the stuff. She kind of shared some of the same attributes, like this really oh, okay. short little lady and like into all that stuff. But yeah, you're right. Like she, I, I'm always fascinated with, like, especially the older I get, like with those sort of like character actors, mm-hmm. you know, where when they show up in a movie, you're immediately going to kind of know what, why they're there, you know? Right, right. And and she did that really well, especially back in the 80s. But you're right. Like, almost every single time that you would see her, even if it was, like, some more subtle than others, like, there was always this sort of, like, unsettling kind of yeah. thing about her. Yeah, it's hard to explain, yeah. Yeah. So that's the basic premise, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. And I encourage everyone to go back and, and, and watch this movie because although some of the effects are dated and stuff, the overall... Yeah, I mean it's a Spielberg movie, right? And so mm-hmm. it's very well thought out. Yeah, right. from the from the jump, and yeah, it's it's very entertaining. It's kind of you know it's kind of creepy. Real quick, would would you even say that? I mean, obviously, like you know, just having a strong title. So like Poltergeist is like such an iconic. You know, you immediately see the TV set with the mm-hmm, static, mm-hmm. and and it's so you know at this point it's so iconic. But you know, us obviously doing this podcast and knowing what the true definition of like poltergeist is. Yeah. It, do you even think that it, I, I don't even know that I would say that it characterizes actual like poltergeist. 
I mean, it does or, 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 in a way because know. I remember, I remember like there's aspects of the movie where the they're hearing, you know, the knocks and and things are open and um, mm-hmm. like in terms of um, cabinets are slamming and things are getting thrown oh. across the room and yeah. and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it does a pretty good job of of keeping pretty true to it. I mean, we could follow up with that after you've watched it. To I got to watch kinda, it. I'm gonna watch yeah, it. Yeah, so that you can kind of like sort of fact check that but yeah. here's some things that are interesting so the freelings neighborhood again the freelings are the the, the family that's being sort of terrorized or whatever mm-hmm. but the, the neighborhood itself was based on spielberg's neighborhood where he grew up in scottsdale arizona mm-hmm. and so this this area this cuesta verde community in southern california was really kind of that classic and when you go back and watch this you'll you'll see this is that classic suburban american two-car garage mm-hmm. you know a lot of ranch style homes cul-de-sacs sidewalks you know the stuff that you think of the school is within walking distance yeah you know the typical so cool. american you know subdivision or neighborhood yeah. you know uh or, or how it used to be growing up in the country i always i was always so jealous of <laughs> of kids that lived in like that like the neighborhood we we live in now, like I would have, mm-hmm. I would have loved that. As right, kid, right. You know? Yeah, and I mean, same here. Like we lived in one mansion similar to that when we lived in Texas prior to going back overseas. But yeah, dude. I mean, although I got to say, like where we lived, our neighborhood in Jakarta was amazing because it, it let us have that vibe a good bit. But I mean, now would you? Don't do it. Would you and all your friends, like, would you guys, like, play on your elevators and We didn't have elevators, like man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The There's butler, that. like, it's mandatory yeah. that he plays with you guys. Shush. Here's a fun fact. It was actually really similar to an episode of The Twilight Zone that Richard Matheson wrote. And mm-hmm. it was called Little Girl Lost, which was about this little girl who goes into another dimension through her bedroom wall. Matheson has said that Poltergeist was inspired by this episode, but... He's never received any credit for it, of course. Wow. And, and do you know when that... that uh, I mean, it would have been like before 60s, that. Yeah. It like would have been old before school. that for sure. What, what's funny is like this is a trope that was kind of... Uh, even if it was just brief, but it was a thing like in the 80s. And oddly enough, and I don't know if it's, it's you know, since a little kid, I've had like the aversion to like whatever was popular. So I was always naturally going to lean into like whatever the thing that nobody knew about but like i was obsessed much more with that movie making contact you remember that movie making contact yes 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 super weird super i'm sure it doesn't hold up but there's it's, that like the weird like sort of uh like a doll or something right? yeah 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 like a oh, dummy yeah. the kid's di- dad dies and then like he has like a glowing phone that he could like communicate with him oh yes 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 um and i think it all came out of his closet i think that was like mm-hmm. part of the the thing too so yeah. so that was like a sort of a trope if you will in the early 80s and you know what an interesting one <laughs> yeah. you know it's like yeah uh, oof Here's something I never knew also. Like, Drew Barrymore actually auditioned to play Carol Ann. Oh, wow. Um, but Spielberg thought that she was better suited for E.T., mm-hmm. which, you know, also, this is part of the legal thing. E.T. came out a week after Poltergeist. I was going to ask, what what was yeah. The, yeah. the time? So so ultimately, man, that's that's amazing. Spielberg had, like, two movies working on pretty much at the same time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And so I think... 
in his contract, you know, as you can imagine, yeah. the amount of attention and time that it would take to be in two places at once. Yeah. You know, Universal is like, nope, you need to finish this one. Yeah. You don't have time. You know, that happens a lot in the acting world, you know, where you're tied up with one project mm-hmm. and you just can't even, you know, sometimes they can work things out and sometimes they can't. So. Well, I wonder if there was like a, like a non-compete clause type situation with, you know, like since they were, they would have come out at the same time, you know. It's, mm-hmm. All right, check this out, man. I love stories like this so much. The actor who played Marty had actually quit acting to become a teacher. Hmm. So his name's Martin Casella, and he, like I said, quit acting to become a teacher, but auditioned to play the paranormal investigator Marty anyway. Spielberg, who was acquainted with this guy from previous movies, liked to pretend Casella was a valet and would always kind of like toss him his car keys whenever he saw him as like a joke or whatever. Mm-hmm. When Casella won the part in Poltergeist, he was informed by Spielberg moments after catching his keys. Oh, so Spielberg like tossed him the keys and then he's like, hey, how's it going, man? How's, you know, they, they're catching up. He's like, well, you know, I'm teaching now. He's like, well, you got the part. I mean, just imagine. That's just oh, so that's cool. awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, this is more about like, Oh my God. There's this scene where these chairs like stack on top of each other or whatever. Again, kind of to your point about whether or not it sort of portrays poltergeists well, these chairs like stack on top of each other and stuff. And when Diane, uh, played by Joe Beth Williams, turn away from the table, the crew members quickly replace the kitchen chairs with already assembled cluster of chairs. And so the chair stacking scene was actually done in one take. Yeah, and when you right. see this scene now, you're going to be like, whoa, holy crap, I can't believe they did that. So when they pan the camera, the crew comes in and replaces the chairs, and then she looks back, and it's very, very fast. And I just, that's just, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's the famous tree scene where the tree kind of like swallows up the kid. Interesting sort of filmography, dorky, nerdy stuff here. It wasn't actually, they didn't film the tree swallowing him up. They filmed it backwards, and so mm. uh, they actually filmed it to where it was like, you know, spitting him out or whatever. Right. And about that, this the idea for the tree grabbing this kid came from a childhood memory. This guy named Mark, uh, Michael Grice, I just said Mark, hey, Michael Grice, he kind of co-writed the screenplay with Spielberg and Mark Victor. Well, his inspiration for the tree scene came from a memory of when he was home alone on a stormy night, sitting on the stairs, of the second floor of his family home, and when lightning struck the tree in his yard, this huge branch crashed through the window right next to him. Whoa. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one... So he brought that terrifying scene yeah. to, to a movie and made, it, uh, made us all get to experience that together. Boy, we have a tree in our backyard that is just this spindly little pine tree and every time the wind blows a little i mean that thing's got to be bending at a you know mm. 90 degree angle at times <laughs> oh man coming back to zelda rubenstein this is a really cool fact so she was screen tested four times before she landed the role mm. uh, of the medium she admitted that you know of course the role changed her life but she was only on set, man, for six days of this like 12 week shoot. So after filming, she didn't hear a word from anyone involved with the movie for a year. 
What? And so during that time, she was like, ah, it might just be one of those movies that never makes it. Yeah, just, and, you know, never sees the light of day. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that crazy? So imagine like you, you know, you have to go through the stress of not only auditioning, but mm-hmm. getting the call back to screen test and do that yeah. four times before actually getting the role. Then you get there, you're on set for six days, you leave, and you go a whole year without hearing a peep. Dude, it's just like, it's just like what, we experience time and time again in like yeah. the music industry. It's that like hurry up and wait, you know, sort of theme yeah. where it's like, oh, we got to do this, 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 this. Oh, you got to meet here. Oh, they're flying you to New York to do this showcase. Oh, we're doing this. And then it's like a month will go by and it's like, well, we're still waiting to hear back. It's just, yeah. that's so difficult, man. For sure. So like one of the things that we've talked about like ad nauseum and, and something that I think I didn't, know until we started this show was, well, let's just put it this way. Poltergeist is rated PG. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What's interesting is the the MPAA, so the Academy initially gave Poltergeist an R rating, Hmm. but Spielberg told them that like he made PG movies, not R movies, and they changed it. (laughs) Here's an interesting fact though. (laughs) To me, I always wondered, like, how is this not at least... Because he's right. I mean, it doesn't deserve an R rating, but it certainly doesn't deserve a PG rating either. And and here's what's interesting. PG-13 actually didn't even exist as a rating designation until 1984. Yeah. And so, mm. you know, that's why I think a lot of the 80s movies that we grew up watching would just have straight up... You're like, oh, PG, no problem. Put it in. Nudity. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. You're and at like, least gonna have the 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 especially in an action movie, somebody busting through the somebody's wall. Somebody's gonna go. Somebody's got to bust through a wall, man. And the, and the woman has to jump jump up top. She has to take the covers and and that were covering everything, and then she drops them because she lifts her hands up, thinking, "Oh no, what's is. going on?" Because that's just a normal class reaction. And you know what? God bless the eighties. Yeah, we thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know we I know we talk. I don't know that we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but. This is a topic that has come up numerous times, and it's still just as funny to think about. Oh, yeah. And then sometimes, you know, you'd be like, no, nah, I'm not going there. I don't. <laughs> I'm saying, like, I would, like, I'm pause, not going to put this in the show. It. Yeah. I would, no, not only would I pause it. That was awesome. You'd got to get real good at the pause skills. But also, you'd be, you'd be, you'd have your main rental. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, mom and dad will let us get this one. And then you're going to go through the aisles and you're going to try to find that one based on the back cover and stuff and maybe who's in it that you're like, and I bet this one's got some nudity. Oh, yeah. And then you get that one in. You don't care about the story, man. That's not even who cares. But you're going to get it. You're going to put it in the VCR and you're going to fast forward until you see the nudity. And then you rewind a little bit and then you pause it. Yeah. I mean, I I just vividly remember I spit on your grave. So I've no, never just, seen that. Just movie. that cover. I just I remember mm-hmm. seeing it and being like, man, I gotta figure out a way to get this. Yeah. The best was when at Blockbuster, when you would take the video up to the and it only had like the Blockbuster case. And so oh, by the, the time worst. you got to no, and that's the best because by the time you got to your mom and dad, you're like, Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. This, oh yeah. I don't know what this is. It looks cool though. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So both of the tears that plague Robbie come from Spielberg's own fears as a child, a fear of clowns, and and then the the tree outside of the window. Mm-hmm. Also, interesting fact: neither Toby Hooper or Steven Spielberg had 
any involvement with any of the sequels. Hmm. Let's talk about Zelda again. She's away from him. Away from home. Is she all right? Diane, ask about the light. Caleb? Honey, do you see a light? She supposedly had a genuine psychic ability and claimed to have visions of things before they happened even reportedly warning Hooper about his drug usage because she could feel that his mind didn't have the proper focus. See, I feel like my Aunt Linda told me that. And I feel like I knew that years too. Years ago. Yeah. There was, that's what I'm saying, man. It's almost like that comes mm-hmm. through the movie screen somehow. Yeah. And you can just tell. There's just something about that lady that I've always been like. What's? It's almost like she had like, I mean, basically what you just said. She, ha- she had like a knowing of, mm-hmm. you know. Of stuff that maybe we weren't seeing, you know. Oh man, here's some more. You know, here's some more global titles. You ready? Oh, I love these. Greece. It's just called the spirit of evil. Not bad. Iran. It's called the evil spirit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mexico. Mexico. Devilish games. Here's the best, man. Well, I'm gonna save that one for last, actually. Serbia. House spirit. I mean, Taiwan. This one actually sounds scary. Ghost Cry. Hmm, that's nice. In Turkey, it's called Bad Soul, which is interesting. And I'm going to say, that I saved this one for last because I think it's the best. Because they said, you know what? Who cares about creativity? <laughs> Who cares about any of that? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Okay, this is from Poland. And, this, and, and it's just called, in Poland, it was just called Spirit. <laughs> Now, you might have thought that was about like a war horse or whatever, but no. Yeah. Stallion of the Cimarron. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. This is, and this is going to start getting into some of the stuff that we're going to talk about in just a second. And that is that there was this like enforced method acting. Now, we don't really talk in depth about different acting techniques on our show because we're not actors. Mm-hmm. But just the simple definition of method acting is like really kind of like putting yourself in the scene and and, and fully immersing yourself in that role. And so, uh, you know, if there's if the script describes your head slamming against the headboard, then you, like, actually do it kind of thing. So Heather O'Rourke basically said that the only thing that really scared her on set was that she had to hold onto this headboard while this wind machine blew toys in the closet behind her, and it just scared her to death because that was, like, happening on set. Yeah. And Joe Beth Williams was panicked during the scene where her character falls into the half-completed swimming pool with Mm. corpses bobbing around her. But her fear wasn't because of all these things that were floating around, you know, skeletons and skulls and stuff. It was because these heavy set lights that were kind of close by to this muddy edge, she was scared that they were going to electrocute her. Now, Mm. they the way that Spielberg kind of helped her get through that was that he actually got into the water with her and said, now if they fall, we'll both fry, and then they finished the scene. But See, what that's she awesome. didn't know, and part of what we're going to talk about today too, is there's this legend that apparently 
those skulls look so real mm-hmm. because they actually were real. We'll return after these messages. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian, or a vampire. You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. Now, here's part of the thing that has, again, growing up, I never knew about this part. I think it was just because information took so long to kind of get around the world back then. But there's been this creepy mystique that surrounded this film and real life tragedies that a lot of people basically interpret as a curse Mm -hmm. so four cast members actually died during and soon after the filming of the series Mm. which is basically the majority of the fuel that people needed for this alleged curse to kind of be well, I mean, a reality. Two of them are super tragic and highly unexpected. So, you know, this is kind of like the moment in the show that I guess you call it like a trigger warning. I don't know what the the thing is. This is kind of like the parental advisory label on the on the old CD here. And that is that, you know, if you don't want to hear about anything that's either true crime or tragic or something, you know, now would be maybe, you know, skip to the end of the show or a little bit later. First, Heather O'Rourke, right? She is the main character of the series almost, really. She's the girl that played Carol Ann Freeling. Mm-hmm. And only at about six years old when the first Poltergeist film was released. When you go back and watch it, I mean, she's just adorable. Yeah. You know, she was captivating this really stark blonde hair mm-hmm. and almost like look like a little doll in real life. Yeah. She, I mean, this is so sad, dude. She was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1987. And then the following year, so she she basically was just like continuously ill. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the following year after she was misdiagnosed, she got sick again and her symptoms were actually, you know, they just attributed, oh, it sounds like the flu. Mm -hmm. A day later, she collapsed and tragically suffered from a cardiac arrest. So tragic. She was airlifted to a hospital in San Diego and um, she, you know, basically had some sort of, um, you know, very abnormal intestinal abnormality and unfortunately, you know, passed away. Yeah. So that's the first one. And of course, you know, that's unexpected and certainly tragic. You know, it continues. Dominique... Dune, uh, who played the original older sister, Dana, also had a very, very tragic and unforeseen fate. In 1982, she separated from her partner, John Sweeney. And in November of that year, he showed up at Dune's house, you know, pleading for her to take him Mm -hmm. back. But when she refused, Sweeney grabbed Dune's neck and choked her to death, essentially, Mm -hmm. right there in her driveway. Jeez. He was then sentenced 
to six and a half years in prison, but was released after three years and seven months. What? Mm-hmm. That stuff blows me away, man. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Um, I mean, he literally, wow. I mean, I get like the like crimes of passion, that whole deal, but it's like to choke somebody to death with your bare hands and then, even if it was the full sentence. Yeah, yeah, six and a half years doesn't sound long years. enough. Yeah, no, yeah, it's dude. ridiculous. The next two cast member deaths weren't as unpredictable or mysterious. Basically, the guy that played the evil preacher Kane from Poltergeist 2 uh, was Julian Beck. And in 1983, he'd been di- diagnosed with stomach cancer, which took his life soon after he finished work with Poltergeist 2. And that same film was met with another tragedy. Will Sampson, who played the character Taylor, the Native American shaman, died after un- undergoing a heart-lung transplant, oh. which, of course, has a, I mean, minuscule slim slim survival rates. So. Wait, what do you mean heart lung, like a heart's heart and lung? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. They were kind of throwing a Hail Mary on that one and it didn't uh it didn't work out. So four of the cast members though man passed away very strangely, unexpectedly, tragically, and that's not all though. So in addition to that, really weird things happened on set. Mhm. Joe Beth Williams um the mom you know, mm-hmm. Diane, claimed that Spielberg insisted on using actual human skeletons yep. as props in an attempt to save money uh, because they were at the time, <laughs> hey, welcome to the 80s, they were cheaper than yeah, plastic I mean, skeletons. We're just so, flying by the seat of our pants. I mean, they didn't have Amazon, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you just take a trip and you just kind of show them, hey, man, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jaws, but we could use a couple of human skulls today. So if you could just pop those in the old truck. Mm-hmm. It's never been verified, but again, this is just one of those things that... uh that surrounds this movie. Also, in an effort to kind of creep everybody out, Samson, this real-life medicine man who passed away, again, due to the heart and lung um, transplant attempt, performed an authentic... Now, I want you to listen up here. He performed an authentic exorcism after shooting rapped one night. That's cool. And so, like... Apparently, like, everybody was kind of just like, uh, really, really freaked out. And, um, and to me, he he always felt, like, just so sort of, like, believable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, it didn't feel like, oh, I'm doing this, like, I got this, this Indian gig in this movie. It's like, no, he, like, I don't know, there was something, he just had, like, an air about him that felt like, you know, he could be, like, a legit, like, you know, shaman. Yeah. Um. Shaman, shaman. Shaman, shaman. Jesus. So basically, like, another thing that was kind of swirling around O'Rourke. God, I can't say the name right. Mm O'Rourke. The girl that played Carol Ann, her death was... So because of all these things happening Mm -hmm. at the time, uh, a lot of rumors started swirling about, okay, like, who's the next cast member that's going to die, you know? And for... A time, some actually thought that Oliver Robbins, the actor who played Carol Ann's brother Robbie mm-hmm. in the first two films, had died in a, had died in a car crash or had been mistakenly uh, strangled by the mechanical clown doll in the first movie. And, and you know, there's even more extreme versions of the rumors, especially at the sort of beginning of the internet and these sort of like internet mysteries that would kind of like go around and theories and stuff that every actor who played a main character in the film had died, which you know, obviously isn't isn't true because uh, mm-hmm. Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams and Tom Skerritt and everybody 
we're still alive. Um, right. uh, you know, and I never actually saw this reboot, but there was a Poltergeist reboot that was made in 2015. And so obviously Weird. so many people thought like and wondered, here we go, here we go, man, like what's going to happen? And, you know, obviously it was a widely panned, not really well-received movie and so far so good. Nobody, uh, nobody is dead, but the director, Gil Keenan, did know that some strange paranormal things started happening during the filming. He said that lights that could turn on anywhere else in the neighborhood would blow out to the set the second you try to light them up on set. Mm. And then he also used a lot of aerial drone photography. Photography. <laughs> I'm not keeping it in, man, because I'm so sick of it. He used a lot of drones to film. There it is. <laughs> he used a lot of... Just completely, he, uh, just take the word out. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He used a lot of... <laughs> I can't even get back to it. <laughs> he said that he used a lot of... <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Hold on, man. Come on now. He said that he used a lot of aerial drone photography in the film and that the drone pilots were never able to lock in the GPS signal in this like specific field and it would he would have to move 10 feet away to launch the craft. Now, huh. you know, flying a drone myself. Yeah, what is that? what does that even mean? Sometimes I don't know, the signal gets a little weird sometimes and also, you know, you're flying it unlicensed in airspace that mm. is controlled and they might just that might just be a thing that's put in place for safety. Now, do you know if so? Did they film this this reboot? Was it filmed in the same spot and everything? Uh, doesn't look that way. So, okay, he said that the house that this is a quote from the director: the house that I rented during the filming was straight up legit haunted by a female spirit dressed in black. He says, mm. and I became aware of her within the first few days of staying in the house. And only after I left did I receive a call from the previous owner who had moved back in. And they said that they were so terrified by the, what was going on in the house that they wanted to see if he had experienced any of it. So he mm. says that it was an incredible real-life inspiration to film that followed me home. Now, now, I got to say, say here, mm. you've made a crappy remake. We're about to say, yeah, we were about to say the same thing. You know, mm. yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I know it's. I know that the the logic may not make sense, but again, that like for some reason, like it being sort of in our modern mm -hmm. landscape of social media, like I just find any of that so much harder to believe than yeah the stuff that happened in the eighties. Yeah, man. I mean, it's instant marketing. It's, yeah, right. It, it, you know, it's uh, even it's, even like oh, it was clearly a. A house that was haunted by a, a female spirit and mm -hmm. wearing a black dress. It's like, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. So all in hey, all, screw that guy. You know what I mean? I hate that guy. Me too. All in all, you know, this is again a movie that, boy, had some tragedy strike, mm -hmm. weird stuff on set. Probably shouldn't have used real human skulls. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's one of those things too, man. That like ever since seeing this movie as a kid. You think like when you move into a new house or whatever, you're like, boy, I hope I'm not, hope I'm not on a burial ground, you know? Well, it's funny you say that because one thing that you left out is the area that the 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 house there, was the, uh, that the house was was in back in 1969. They 
tried to build like a supermarket, which was like mm. less than a mile away. And they had to stop construction because it was an Indian burial ground. Man. And then another thing, which I was waiting on you to get into this, is the Cheeseman Park mm-hmm. thing. So basically, I guess the inspiration for Poltergeist was from the story of Cheeseman Park in Denver, where basically they had this huge, beautiful park that they were building. Basically, they were building in the in the place of this giant cemetery, right? Yeah. And so they were supposed to like exhume all the graves, you know, take out all the whatever, and none of that actually happened. All they did was get rid of the tombstones. Mm. And then this beautiful park is just on top of that. There's like all these crazy, like I've never heard of this until yeah, until now. But like, yeah, there's all these crazy ghost sightings. and I mean, like the thing is, like it doesn't matter if you believe in this stuff or not. Like, mm-hmm. guys, if you've learned anything from our show, there's like a couple like just rock solid lessons. Number one, if you find something weird in the woods that looks like an artifact, leave it there. Yeah. Number two, don't open some strange box <laughs> that you don't know anything about. Number three, don't build anything on a graveyard. I'm including Lake Lanier in this, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't build anything. Also, don't put a lake on top of it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. And if we really, like, do we need, I don't know, it's just, you know, God. But I will say something that that you said earlier that I just started thinking about as you were talking, so I kind of spaced out a little bit. Of course. You don't hear the word supermarket enough anymore. You know? Yeah, that's do you? true. I mean, is that what you say when you're like, hey, I'm going to go to the supermarket real quick? Anything? Can no, I pick I th- up anything? I think I say grocery store. store. Yeah. But anyway. that, but to me, that sounds like pretty rural. Yeah. I mean, supermarket is a very 80s, uh, yeah. Very yeah. 80s concept. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's all like the, the th- that I found that surrounds like the quote unquote curse. One last little guys. thing. But the, hold on. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, no, you're saying about poultry guys? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, there is actually one last little thing where the mom actually like throughout the course of like filming every night that, or I don't know if it was every night, but like it was pretty regular occurrence that she would come home and all of her pictures on a specific wall would be like almost turned sideways. Jeez. And she would adjust them back and then the same thing, she would come back the next night. Now, I almost said something, but then whenever I pulled her up here, I figured the first thing that I was going to say may not come across um, as well after saying, well, okay, let me just put it this way. I'm looking at her IMDb picture right now. Mm-hmm. And I, she looks to me like if there's going to be anybody that played your mom in Hollywood, mm. dude, she looks so much like your mom to me. Does she? I don't like to see this. So help me God, if this is one of those... No, 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 this isn't, this isn't a joke, man. For real. Do you see uh, what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't see that, yeah. Now, what I was going to say first was, man, I used to think she was so hot, so... I think my mom's a lot prettier than this lady, though. But, yeah, that's what I'm saying, like, she would play her. But my mom, like, older, yeah, I can definitely yeah. see that. So, anyways, Interesting. man. No, Woody and I, the reason I brought that up is, for all you listeners, Woody and I have this thing where... <laughs> and we've done this since we've known each other. Yeah, dude. We'll run across a picture of just the most revolting, the most hideous people 
you've oh, ever. Boy, that sounds kind of mad. Not even just too. people. I take it back. Not just people. Characters in film, like like the female uh, Yoda, Yoda exactly from the stupid Star Wars prequels. Yes, exactly. And and either Woody or I will send the text that says, "God, man, I just cannot get over how much you look like this guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or but like sometimes we even like that's the easy one, <laughs> and like by now we know what's coming. It's yeah, just right. like Tyler did just now. I mean, you guys got to hear that in real time. Yeah. Like uh, this better not be. <laughs> and I totally should. <laughs> I totally. <laughs> I totally should have taken advantage of that, but I was just so like dumbfounded that she actually reminds me of your mom. But mm-hmm. um, the best though is when we just <laughs> like when we just plan it really well, and there's just this long, long, lengthy up. thing yeah. that that builds up to this like moment where it's like, I mean, dude, and also this dude <laughs> looks exact. Like, take a look at this. It's, it's it's identical, and then and then I'll text the picture of like the female Yoda, and and then. I'll follow it up with a flurry of text messages immediately, like things like uncanny, yeah, yeah. incredible, amazing, mm-hmm. just to kind of like reinforce the fact that Tyler truly, uh, you know, I, reminds me of that character. I think I've sent the plain guy from <laughs> Fantasy Island several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then another move is once the person's like, okay, then what you do is you take that original picture and you just keep zooming in. <laughs> that, is a, that, that is a big trick. Oh, it's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, before we go, can I talk about some other movies? Like, Poltergeist doesn't stand alone in this. There's other movies that supposedly have curses and strange Mm -hmm. stuff that happens to them. So if you don't mind, listener, I'm going to kind of take us through some different alleged curses Mm -hmm. through some famous movies, and we'll keep it, like, relatively short. So the first one is one of the movies that the first time it's this, to this day, I think it's probably, if I had to list, you know, top five scariest movies or movies that scared me the most this is in the top if not the number one slot definitely within the top like two or three Mm. and that's the exorcist yeah it's one of the most infamously cursed movies of all time nine people nine people died during the shoot of this movie yep and a fire destroyed large portions of the set Mm -hmm. and then in there's even like this you know true Hollywood story all about it. So I don't, you know, won't dive into it here. that episode is haunted. Yeah, man, if you watch it, then a Catholic priest is going to come to your door. Hello! So, you know, definitely encourage folks to kind of dive into that and maybe we'll do an entire episode on that. Mm -hmm. The next one is The Omen. Oh, yeah, listen to this, dude. This is so crazy. So although no one was like actually hurt during the filming, the filming of uh, 1976's The Omen. Mm-hmm. Chaos basically seemed to surround everybody involved. Listen to this star. The main character, Gregory Peck, mm-hmm. and screenwriter David Seltzer, both of their flights were struck by lightning on the way to film this thing. Yeah. Richard Donner's hotel was bombed by the IRA. Jeez. And then members of the crew were in a... Uh, intense car crash but again nobody you know died or anything like that but still Mm. like boy that's um that's scary yeah yeah the odds of two airplanes getting struck by lightning and they just so happen to be two people in the same film i mean the Mm. odds are just insane yeah this next one i'm not sure if we can attribute to anything paranormal um it 
it, it mainly kind of seems more like, oops, probably shouldn't have been uh, using so much cocaine. So we're talking about the movie Apocalypse Now. First off, Francis Ford Coppola uh, filmed it during monsoon season in the tropics. Pretty pretty uh, big mistake there because the monsoons destroyed multiple sets time and time again. Mm -hmm. Martin Sheen suffered a heart attack during filming. Mm. Coppola, who was so stressed out during the, the filming that he suffered a seizure. And, you know, again, of course, despite all that, it still is a very, uh, very successful film. But again, man, all these kind of crazy things happening, less paranormal on that side, but something, you know, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Ooh, God, this is... Mm. When the movie, the Twilight Zone, the movie was made, uh, Vic Morrow and two of the child actors were actually killed during the filming of it when their helicopter crashed during a Vietnam flashback scene. Uh, so oof, leading to, uh, it actually kind of, in, in the positive light, I guess, led to some serious changes of how um, movies were, were being made when mm -hmm. when that happened. The super, have you heard of the Superman curse? I mean, uh, well, like if you play Superman, bad things are gonna, you know, yeah. Christopher Reeves paralyzed. I mean, well, I know the original Superman guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what his name is, but yeah, I know so, what you're talking about. Something crazy, or maybe it was like a suicide thing. George Reeves. That's right. Gunshot wound. Uh, his death at age 45 from a gunshot remains controversial. The official finding was suicide, but some believe that he was murdered or the victim of an accidental shooting. Yeah, didn't they make a movie about that where, like, I think um, ben, ben Affleck, Affleck. played? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I never saw it, but um, yeah. I also think it's weird that, like, his name was George Reeves and yeah. then Christopher Reeve. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. And uh, a couple of these I didn't have a clue about. Waterworld, for example, you know, they had hurricane. I mean, most of this stuff is like, oh, we're cursed, but, you know, they're also filming. Um, these sets, you know, yeah. basically they got rocked by a bunch of storms and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Lord of the Rings, a couple of stuntmen, you know, uh, had some injuries and, and, and that kind of thing. But again, you know, if I was going to place my money on who's going to get hurt on the set of a movie, uh, unfortunately, the, the stunt guys would probably be uh, oh, yeah. probably on the list there. Now, this one is a movie that it's not really that, well, okay, there's a movie called Atuk, all right? And it's spelled A-T-U-K. Hmm. Supposedly, it's so cursed that it just actually never got made. The project was based on a 1963 Mordecai Rickler novel about an Eskimo in New York and had four different men attached to play the lead while in development. Now, it went through developmental hell through the 1970s and 80s. So listen wow. to this, dude, about who they had to play the lead. Number one, first... John Belushi. Now, we mm. all know what happened to poor John Belushi. He died yeah. of, I guess it was drug overdose and stuff, right? I think so, yeah. Sam Kinison. Wow. John also Candy. Pretty. And Chris Farley. You said John Candy, the third? Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. So all four of those people died shortly after basically enter entering negotiations to be in the film. Wow. And, and all those guys, like, you know, haphazardly, like, live pretty rough, you know, yeah. pretty rough lives. Yeah. 
And then lastly, this one's kind of like the most sort of, um, well, not obvious, but the one that kind of we knew about the most growing up in the 90s, and that is The Crow. Yeah. And and the the Bruce Lee slash Brandon Lee mm-hmm. curse, um, you know, uh, that surrounds that. So all in all, man, a lot of just strange stuff happening on movie sets, Poltergeist, mm-hmm. you know, what an incredible movie that if you grew up in the 80s, I'm sure it had some sort of impact on you, whether that was, you know, scared you to death, haunted you, gave you nightmares, or mm-hmm. just, you know, opened the door to pursuing, you know, other scary movies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love this stuff. I think it's so cool. Uh, but before we go, Peninsula. Since, it, since it is the week of Easter, mm. I, I'm going to do what we like to call around here a callback. And that is... okay. There's some other weird things surrounding the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Basically, three separate times, there were lightning strikes within the movie. The main actor, Jim Caviezel, obviously he played Jesus, was filming the Sermon on the Mount sequence. And what's interesting about this is he said he knew that he was going to be struck by lightning almost five seconds before it even happened. Mm. Which, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wonder if it was because of, like, the, maybe the static in the air mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he just thought, I'm going to get hit. And, you know, then immediately he saw, you know, all the extras drop to the ground and he got hit. He said after it happened, it, he said he felt like fire coming out of his head and his body uh, was, like, sort of illuminated and he said he he heard Mel Gibson, who was the director, screaming, what the heck happened to his hair? Jeez. And he said, when I, I looked like I went to see Don King's hairstylist. Obviously, mm. that's an 80s reference. Don <laughs> King was, you know, notoriously yeah. had this huge hair. Five minutes after he got hit, John Michelini, an assistant, walks over, and then he got hit as well, which is crazy. Good Lord, yeah. Yeah. The within the same movie, that same assistant director was struck again by lightning, which is just crazy. Mm. The let me just real quick, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Like, let's say you're working on something, we'll just say we're on the set, mm-hmm. that stuff happens now. Three people have been struck by lightning. I mean, that's so right. Are you showing up tomorrow? Because <laughs> I'm not, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, guys, oof, you know, yeah. Stomach uh, hurt. Well, it gets worse because okay. Jim Caviezel, Jesus. If you haven't seen the movie, it's I think it's a really important movie, but it's extremely gruesome. It's also controversial. Yeah, it's intense, right? It's extremely like gruesome to watch because it, you know, they really wanted to convey like everything that sort of Jesus would endure, you know, leading up to his crucifixion. And so uh, you know, there's this this scene where there's the this like bloody scourging thing, where these uh, the Romans or are just like sort of you know flogging him basically with these whips, mm-hmm. uh, like the cat of nine tails is what they're called, and they're basically like a whip with you know nine other little whips attached, and then at the end of those they're like barbs or like you know, sharp pieces of metal sort of Mm. fastened. He said that when they were doing this, they were hitting, like behind him was sort of a whipping post, sort of the way 
the camera was sort of facing him, you know, so there was, there was like a post behind him. So you would hear the, the impact hit the board. And twice in a row, he was like flogged with these things, you know. Mm. Um, and he said, it's like getting the wind knocked out of you. The stinging is so horrific that you literally can't get air. Um, it said, unsurprisingly, Caviezel uh, wasn't happy. I turned around and looked at the guy, and I tell you, I may be playing Jesus, but I felt like Satan at that moment. I wanted to <laughs> kill him. And then moments later, <laughs> another dude does the exact same thing and oh my just rails right into him. The cross scene you know, he had to carry mm -hmm. the cross up to Calvary on his shoulder. He said, uh, you know, I mean, he had to do this like all day long for shooting. He said the cross weighed 150 pounds, which already, I mean, that's pretty heavy, especially to be carrying around like all day. Yeah. But he said it feels like 600 pounds. And because of that, it popped his shoulder out of place multiple times. Mm. When he was doing the crucifixion scene, when he was, you know, up on the cross, which this just seems like, like this, to me, this part seems like real common sense. It, especially like where they would have like filmed it and stuff. Basically, he is up on a cross. He's basically naked other than, you know, latex yeah. and, and stuff. And however, he's fastened to the cross. But it was 25 degree temperatures and 30 knot winds and Obviously, again, common sense, he would end up with hypothermia, which ended up becoming a lung infection and pneumonia. Mm. Lastly, and I can relate to this, but he, you know, like I said, it's pretty gruesome if you haven't seen it. He is just covered in like sort of like prosthetics and, and wounds. And I mean, it looks pretty legit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's tough, uh, man. I mean, it's right up there with like any horror movie you can think mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. as far as like gruesome. And basically one of his eyes was like sort of cosmetically mm. swollen shut. Yeah. And so because of that, it was it was a constant like issue with like depth perception and it was giving him migraines every single day, which mm. I suffer from migraines. I actually take a, a an injection per month. Mine are so bad. So that's like I can totally, totally, you know, relate. But uh but yeah, that is some other stuff that, I mean, I guess you could say that it was, I don't know if cursed is the right word, yeah. um, but there's definitely some... Weird stuff that happened. Some stuff, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's like, I think some people would look at it and be like, I mean, were they being, like, punished for doing this? Yeah. Like, you know? Is, you know, yeah. I mean, eesh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the answer there is I'm not sure, but I can tell you I'd be clocking out and going home. Yeah. You know that they're actually doing a, uh, a sequel to that? No. I mean, I, I, I can't. I didn't know if that was like a punchline. No, I, I okay. literally can't imagine like what, hmm. I don't know where that's going to go. But yeah, apparently they've been, uh, been shooting for a while now. Oh, oh, and it would also mark the, I mean, pretty much because of, of what they did, it, it pretty much sealed the careers of Mel Gibson and... Uh, Jim Caviezel. Meaning like they, it was difficult for them to get work afterward? Yeah, I mean, it pretty much just yeah. uh, just destroyed their careers. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I think that might have, a, some of it also might have to do with um, Mel Gibson just actually yeah, getting yeah. recorded on rants that yeah, you would make yeah. and just go nuts on people. Yeah. Um, Although Caviezel, though, man, I, 
Jim Caviezel is just, he happens to be in one of my other all-time favorite movies, and that is uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it is one of those things that is a shame because, like, he's such a, he just seems like such a cool actor, and, Mm -hmm. like, I like every role that I've ever seen him in. Yeah. So that is a a little bit of a shame, but, you know, maybe he'll pull out of that. Anyway, if you would like to find us, you can find us over on Instagram. Drop us a comment. uh, Shoot us a DM. If you want to tell us about an urban legend or, or, you know, a localized, like, myth or cryptid or or your own paranormal encounter. We love that stuff. Uh, shoot it over to that would be radpod at gmail.com. If you would like to tell it to us in your own words and you know possibly have it featured on the podcast with great sound design in the background, head on over to that would be radpodcast.com, our website where it's sort of a one-stop shop. You can you know leave your voice memo directly onto the site find a podcatcher to listen to any sort of episodes. You can jump on the link to shoot you over to our Patreon, The Rabbit Trail. We love everyone over there, and we are so grateful for you. You know, if you're just not getting enough, that would be rad content over here on the free main feed. Go out there and tell a friend, single friend about the show. Um, if you love us like we love you, just take a moment, go give us a five-star review. And uh, I guess that's about it. Other than that, happy Easter, everybody. Happy Passover week. Happy Good Friday and Palm Sunday. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. You got anything else, Woody? I think that uh, that about does it. All right, pal. Well, we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it Song on the radio
clouds in a time where I just needed some sunshine You were already dead before you became a ghost You always said our future would be a parade of flowers But now all that's left is a single rose That's the way Howdy friends and welcome <clears throat> Howdy friends and welcome back to another episode. Man, it's like my voice breaks up in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> Every same spot. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. To- Toby Hooper? It's spelled T-O-B-E. Do you think it's Toby or Tobe? I mean it has to be Toby, right? It's gotta be Toby. Okay, cool. Next time I spell it right. Toby Hooper. Uh so just say so so the first one. Hey man. I don't need you to tell me what to do. Okay, pal. So the first one is... I mean, is that like, does that sound too perverted, though? <laughs> Good Lord. Dude, take that out. I mean, don't no way. You never know what's going to come out at you. And then... <laughs> it's, it's like a stomach yeah. thing. Let's see. I think, I think Kurt Cobain had Crohn's disease. Let's see. It's like pretty de- debilitating. Yeah, I can't really... Um, I mean, I don't think you need to get into that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. 